Good morning, Free Spirit Fellowship. Praise the Lord. Greetings um, come from South Carolina today from Pastor and Sister Lafave, wishing all of the mothers a very happy Mother's Day. And uh, Sister Lafave purchased some lovely colorful pouches that are out in the lobby. So each mother, please, following the service, um, feel free to select a little pouch um, for whatever it is that you'd like to carry around. Um, and they both wish you a happy Mother's Day. And I know that normally my mother um, exhorts the mothers a little bit on Mother's Day. Um, in her absence today, I just wanted to give honor to her, to my mother, the First Lady of the Church. Um, growing up, there were so many things that I did learn from my mom, too many to make mention of. But um, one of the things that I learned from my mom, and it's still something that I have to practice because I'm not as good at it as she is, but one of the things that I learned from her is a very simple thing. If you don't have something nice to say, just don't say it. And I'll never forget one time I was 16 years old, and this was back in the days with the phones on the cord, and the only phone that I had access to was in her bedroom. And um, I used to like to go in there and talk to my friends from high school, and there was one girl who was very, very popular, and I really wanted to be popular. And so um, we were on the phone chatting, and one thing led to another, and, and somebody else came up in the conversation. And we started picking that person apart and being really mean on the phone. And my mom must have been listening from the hallway or cleaning or whatever, and I'll never forget because she came in the bedroom and she ripped the phone out of my hand, and she said, I did not raise you to be a mean-spirited gossip. And she hung up the phone and wouldn't let me call the girl back. And I was so embarrassed, and I thought, I can't believe she did that to me. I'm 16 years old. And I was so mortified and embarrassed. But looking back on that, I can think through my whole life, and I cannot think of a time ever in my life where my mom has said an unkind thing about someone behind their back. And um, that's something that I learned from her. And we, we teach our children things, and we learn from our children. And I'm very thankful for my mother, uh, my grandmothers who have gone on. I'm thankful for my children. I've learned um, through my son the beauty of a gentle spirit. I've learned through my middle daughter that the quest for knowledge is a wonderful thing and should never stop. I've learned from my youngest daughter that you should find 20 to 30 times a day to just really laugh about something. And so I'm thankful for my children. I'm thankful for my mother. I'm thankful for all of the mothers here who are guiding up your children or who have grown children and still continue to be a role model and a guide for them and for their children. So God bless you mothers, and please stop and pick up your gift at the end of service. God bless you. And we'll go ahead and dismiss the children. So we've come to what is usually my favorite part of the whole service, the preaching. 
<laughs> but today, <laughs> it's not necessarily my favorite part because my dad is not here, <laughs> and I miss him. Um, but on a serious note, I do uh, want to thank my parents um, and, and give honor to this place and this space right now because um, when they first asked me to bring the uh, message today, I said, are you sure you don't want to pick a less high-profile service? I know that when I come to church on Sunday morning, this is where, what I look forward to. I, I want to hear the word. And um, they said, nope, we want, we want you to do Sunday morning. So I said, okay. Um, but there's an enormous sense of responsibility that comes with this place. And for me, this pulpit is hallowed ground. And it is hallowed by almost 40 years of my dad's personal sacrifice, spiritual, physical, emotional sacrifice. And so I don't take this space lightly. And um, I'm very grateful and honored to be here. And I hope that something that I say today will minister to somebody because I know that when I come here and I'm sitting where you are, I want to hear the word and grow and be changed and be fed. Um, so with that said, um, I would like to draw your attention today to the book of Exodus, chapter 25. Thank you for standing. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, that they bring me an offering of every man that giveth it willingly with his heart, ye shall take my offering. And this is the offering which ye shall take of them, gold, silver, and brass, and blue, and purple, and scarlet, and fine living, li linen, and goat's hair, and ram skins dyed red, and badger skins, and shittim wood, oil for the light, spices for anointing oil, and for sweet incense, onyx stones and stones to be set in the ephod and in the breastplate. And let them make me a sanctuary that I might dwell among them. Lord Jesus, we pray that you'll speak through me today and bring something that will minister and touch someone's heart today. We thank you for your presence and we thank you for meeting us here. And we pray, Lord God, that something will happen in the spirit today that you want to happen. In Jesus' name, amen. Greet someone, wish someone a happy Mother's Day. Tell somebody that you love them, that you appreciate them, and you may be seated. So some of you may know this about me, and some of you share this interest, this interest that I have, um, in that I am a royal watcher. So I really enjoy watching the royal families. And um, because of that, and I'm, when I look at my news feed and different pictures of Kate Middleton will come up or Meghan Markle, 
the internet tracks everything that you view and sends you stories in the line that you like to view. So royal watches from around the world will come up on my internet feed at any given time. And a few weeks ago, I just happened to be you know, on my homepage and I saw a picture that I really had to take a second look at because I didn't believe at first what I was seeing and I thought, that can't be right. So I had to pull up the picture to look at it and I was drawn into the article. And what I saw in this picture before me was a king sitting on what seemed to be um, a throne type of decorative chair, ceremonial chair, I guess you could say, if not a throne, and seemed to be of Asian uh, nationality of some kind. I don't, I'm not familiar with the kingdom that he rules, um, but seemed to be, uh, you know, of, of an Asian culture and background. And these were his wedding pictures, his marriage ceremony, and his bride uh, was a beautiful woman, and she was dressed head to toe in this gorgeous, for the men out here, I'll say pink, for the women, mauve, d dusty rose mauve, gorgeous silk gown, you know, from head to toe, her hair was perfect, just absolutely beautiful woman, and soon to be the queen. And what struck me about this picture that I really had to take a double take and a, and a second look at was he's sitting on this ceremonial chair and the court um, is spaced out you know in front of him and they're all prostrate on the ground in front of the king which i i can understand that's a common practice especially going back into history but his bride this is what really threw me for a loop was laying out on the floor flat almost flat outright, a little bit on her side, just completely laying out in front of him with her head turned away from him, not even able to look at him. Um, and in this humble and just, I'll say humble position, I'll leave it at that, um, a very humble position in front of this king. And with her head turned, she had her, her head resting on one arm as she's laying sideways, and her other arm is outstretched toward him, but she's not looking at him. She's just reaching out her hand and her arm upward to where he sits. And from where he's sitting, he's just reaching down and touching her hand. And this was part of their marriage ceremony. And I thought to myself, um, that could not have happened for me. Um, and I will say, I give honor to my husband of almost 17 years. I respect him. I love him. He's home with one of our daughters today. And um, I appreciate him. And this is by no means to say anything against the, the marriage or, or giving honor where it's due. But when I looked at this bride laying out flat on the floor, all dressed up, not even looking at her husband, her king, and just reaching out her hand in hopes that he will touch her, I thought to myself, this is not a culture we are familiar with in America. We don't understand the culture of royalty in America. We don't, we have been free from a monarchy for hundreds of years. And the understanding of what it is to be in the court of a king and to have a monarch is lost on us generation to generation to generation. It is not something that we've carried in our, our American genes. We don't, we don't understand, we're not familiar with the way that these things work. And 
it's very odd for us to look on to something like that because our culture is so very different from that of kings and royalty. But as I gazed at this picture, I began to realize something about myself and something about us as a culture. While we are not accustomed to what it is like to be in the presence of royalty or to be invited into the presence of royalty, if we can't understand that on a physical level, if we can't even understand culturally what it is like to be in the presence of a king, how can we begin to have some kind of spiritual understanding of what it is like to be in the presence of the king? We don't have a background knowledge in that. We don't see this every day. We don't experience this. And because it's so lost on us, I fear sometimes that we don't realize and we don't understand that we have been invited to the court of the king. And there is something about this that is different and, and that is learned. And how do we learn it? Well, some of it I've learned through scripture. Um, David said it like this, my soul longeth, yea, even fainteth for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh crieth out for the living God. He also said, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Give thanks unto him and bless his name. David was a king. He understood what it means to be in a court. He understood what it means to be a king. And he so beautifully exemplifies the life of somebody who, even though he's a king of Israel, knows that he is not an equal of the Lord. Knows that, he said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. He understands that this is a place of, of honor and divine, where the earthly meets the divine. And he shows that to us um, many, many times over and over. He shows to us how he views his own kingship in relation to the Lord. When he purchases the threshing floor and he says, how can I give to God that which costs me nothing? He understands that God is worthy of more than even he as a king can give. He understood this when he danced in the streets and became undignified when the ark came home. He understood that even though he was a king himself, that there was someone so much greater that deserved so much more. And as an undignified act, he danced in the streets for the Lord. He understood those things. And we can learn so much from King David. And the Psalms are full of, of so many beautiful things. But my soul longeth, yea, even fainteth for the courts of the Lord. People of God, I myself have been guilty of this from time to time in thinking, I don't really want to go to church today. I don't feel like going to church today. I don't. But I'm going to go. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do what I'm supposed to do. I'm going to do what I need to do. And thank God that over time, my mindset has been changed and altered. Because when it began to become real to me that this is not an act of going to church. I'm not being churched. I don't need to be churched. This is an invitation to the king's court. And a couple of things happen when you're invited to the king's court. We come in. And we worship and we praise. And that's a beautiful thing. But I want you to think about something for a moment. 
When we're giving ourselves in worship and praise, we're entertaining the king. We're entertaining him. He loves to be entertained. He welcomes this. And if this praise is something that pleases him, he will move among us. You will feel his presence move through as we praise, right? You will feel him step down from his throne and enter in to where we are entertaining him. But that is just the first step. If you think about it that, this way, kings throughout history have been entertained by their courtiers. They are accustomed to people coming into their court and entertaining them. When we come and we entertain and we bring praise and worship, we're doing our part to entertain the king. And we may have pleased him. We may have caused him to stand up and look around and walk among us. And then we come and we sit at the table and we eat. And for some of us, that's where it ends. We've come to the court. We've entertained. We've eaten and had our bread of life. And we've gone home. But lately, I have been realizing and understanding that my worship and my praise to God is entertaining the king. I have come to understand that I don't want to come and just entertain him and take something from the table and leave unchanged. Because what happens is when we are in the court of the Lord, and we're in the crowd of worshipers, and we're singing, and we're praising, and we're entertaining him, and we feel his presence, and we know he is among us. We know he's here. We know where we are. We know he's here, and we know that he has something for us, but there's something even more, and my heart, like David's, cries out for it, and I know that there are some of you that cry out for it. And what it is, is the divine touch of the king. And that is what I came today to talk to you about. If you have accepted the invitation to the court, and you have come to the court of the, of the Lord, the court of the king, and you have entertained him and, and felt good in his presence and taken something from his word, but you have left without the touch, the divine touch of the king. You are missing something. And what that requires, folks, people, you, can, you don't have to look very far online for entertaining, beautiful entertaining worship, right? Um, beautiful choirs and groups of people that come and they all line up and they have the wonderful moves and they're so impressive and their voices are so beautiful and that's entertainment, right? And it, should it please the Lord, that entertains him as well, should it please him. But there's something attractive about quality entertainment. We're, we're drawn to entertainment. We like to be entertained, and there's something admirable and attractive about entertainment. But what I'm talking about, to reach out and touch the king, 
requires something that is far less attractive. It is far less popular. It is far less attractive. It is humble. It requires laying ourselves down in front of his presence. We cannot look upon him. We cannot look upon his glory. But laying ourselves out and stretching ourselves out in a prostrate manner to show him, I am not your equal. You have invited me to come to court. You have invited me to come and worship and praise. It's an honor to come and worship and praise you. I have been honored to be invited to the house of God and to lift up my voice and worship him. That is my honor. That is my privilege. I have pleased the king. But if I want the king to touch me and change me, it requires something so much more base, so much more humble, so much less of me and what that looks like for you it may look different to me for me what that amount of humility that amount of laying yourself out for the Lord what does that look like for you does that look like crying does that look like coming to the altar does that look like begging for a touch of God does that look like dancing does that look like running the aisles what does it look like to you what it looks like for me is just giving myself giving myself to God and not caring what anybody else thinks about it not caring I've had high school kids that I work with come to church and I've danced in front of them it's that's what I'm that's what I need to do to touch God to reach God to touch him I work with a chemistry teacher in the high school and she's very cute and she loves her experiments and and um, all these chemical reactions and she'll put her goggles on and she gets all her matter out and her solutions and she gets very, very excited. And I personally don't care about science. So she gets very excited and she'll do this very long introduction about what's going to happen to this piece of matter when it goes into the solution. And, you know, we look at it before and, and talk about the solutions and all of that. And then she'll put it into the solution and therein is the change. And she gets so excited about that to see whatever it is poof up or turn purple or whatever it is that's so very exciting to science teachers. But that doesn't excite me. But what excites me is if you take that piece of matter and you put it next to the solution. The solution is present. The solution is near the matter. The matter is unchanged. The solution can be standing right next to the matter, could be touching the matter almost inside the beaker, but the matter is unchanged. It is not until you put the matter into the solution that there's a change. We can come to church we can entertain, we can praise and worship, and we can be so close to the throne. But it's not until we get in to the solution. We have to dip in. What does it take to get us into the solution? We have to get into it to be changed. That is what we need to be changed. We cannot be changed just by being there. It requires more. We need more. We need more. And this has been weighing on me for a while, this idea of what do we do in the presence of the king? Are we missing the touch? Are we missing the life-changing touch? 
when we come and we gather together and we worship and we entertain? Are we, le- are we leaving changed? I need to leave changed. I need for the king to touch me. That's all I need. That's really all I need. Because I don't know that this may be my last time being invited to the court of the king. For me, for you, this might be our last chance. We have no hope of tomorrow. We don't know what is going to happen in our future. But if I am invited to the court, I want to press past the entertainment. I want to press past the worship. I want to somehow get myself as close to the throne as I can possibly get. Whatever it takes for us to reach out to him and have him divinely touch us, that is what we need. The Bible says the heavens are his throne, the earth is his footstool. We are earthly beings. But what happens to us if we can bow down ourselves, our spirits, our minds, our flesh, if we can bow down in front of the footstool of the king, do you see what happens? Something from heaven where the throne is reaches down to the earthly footstool and grabs a hold of us. And when that happens, something divine happens because now we are in between two places. We're in between heaven and we're in between earth. We have left our earthly spiritual place and we have crossed over and transcended into a heavenly place because the throne touches earth. We are just matter. We are not equal to the king. When we stand before him, it is not like I stood next to my husband when we were married. It is like the woman bowing prostrate in front of the king. We are not his equal, and we need to know that. We need to know that. We need to know that when we come into his presence, if we want more, if we would like more in our lives, if we want to be divinely changed, if we want to reach that place that's in between. Let me live in the in-between. I would be quite all right to live in the in-between. I want to be able to have my feet on the ground, but my head in the clouds in the heavens. Let me be this person that's able to cross those boundaries. How do I cross those boundaries? How do I do it? How do I come before the king and let him to know that I am ready to bow my life down for him? him and for him to reach out and touch me. I won't see it. This bride didn't see it. Her face was averted from the king, but I know I will feel it when his hand touches mine. I know I will feel it and something in the divine realm will have happened. It's not divine for me to come and entertain him. It's not divine for me to come and sing and worship and give praise. That is something that I love to do because I love Jesus. Jesus. That is something that I love to do because he is worthy of my praise. He is my king and I am honored to come to his court. I want to worship him. I want to give of myself to him. But that is not the same thing as him reaching down from heaven and taking hold of my hand.
stand and saying, I see you. I'm changing you. I'm touching you. Your life is different. Your life will be the different. You won't leave the same way that you came. Entertaining him, even hearing his word. Hearing his word puts things into practice for me. How will I know what to do if I can't come to a place where it's preached? Hearing his word puts it into practice. It helps me to know I've hid it in my heart. It helps me to know what I need to do and how do I live. And it's, it's essential. I can't live without this. I cannot live without this. I need the word. I need to be able to express in my worship and my praise. And I need to hear from him. Every week I need to hear something that I can go home and think I need to change this. I can do better. I know I can do better. I need this. But even with all of that, what I really, really need is the touch of the king. I need to know that this earthly body has been laid down at the throne and that he has seen me pressing through the crowd of entertainers. What does it look like when you step out from the crowd? What does it look like when you come forward out of the crowd where the accepted entertainment is clapping your hands and singing and raising your hand? What does it look forward? What does it look like when you step forward? and you differentiate yourself. I don't care what it looks like to other people in the crowd. Because in the court, in the king's court, when he's pleased by the entertainment and he walks through and he might nod, yes, yes, I like this. Yes, yes, I like this. And you think to myself, yourself, oh, the king just passed. The king just passed me by. He just walked by me. He nodded. He liked what I did. In a true king's court, entertainers want to please their king. You don't want to go to a true king's court and do something that displeases the king. We don't necessarily have an understanding of that, but there's preparation also that goes into attending the king's court. We could talk about that, but... You might be in the crowd of entertainers, and you know he's here. You felt him pass by. Almost that, that breath, that Holy Ghost breath, his presence. You feel it. You know it's here. You know you've pleased him because he did walk by. He did express his pleasure at your worship because you felt his presence. But what happens, church, when we decide it's not enough? It's not enough anymore to come here and to just know I've pleased the king. I've pleased him. I feel good in my heart that I've pleased the king. And I took something home with me that's going to teach me how to do better in his court. When we become a people who are no longer satisfied with the entertaining of the king and just taking from his table. Imagine what would happen in this place if as a group of people we make the decision 
that we need more. We want a divine touch on our lives, an unmistakable anointing, an unmistakable touch of the king. I pray, anoint me, Lord, anoint me. I don't want to live. I don't want to live outside of the anointing. Who wants to live outside of the anointing? It is what we need to be anointed by the king. We need this. What would happen if we came into the court of the king and somehow found our way to the throne with our outstretched hand? And I don't mean a physically outstretched hand. I mean an outstretched spirit that humbles ourselves to the point of ridicule or to the point of being undignified, whatever it is that you have to do. I've learned over the years, I don't care what I have to do to get a hold of him. I'm going to do what I have to do. I don't care what it looks like. I can't care what it looks like because I have to go home with me, not any one of you. I have to go home with me and I need to touch him and I need him to touch me. And that only comes from this bowing down of our spirit. It's beyond entertaining. It's beyond the worship. It's beyond all that. It's a place that you can't see, touch, or feel. But if your soul, like David, cries out for the courts of the Lord, do we cry out? Ask yourself, do I cry out for the court of the Lord? Or am I just being churched? Do I cry out for the court? Does my soul faint after the court of the Lord? Is there no place that I'd rather be than to be invited into the king's court? Is there nothing and no place that I'd rather be? And beyond that, do I want to leave the king's court without touching him, without him touching me? I want more than to feel his presence. I need more. It's beautiful to feel the presence of the Lord. It's beautiful. You can be someone that comes in off the streets and not prepared at all for the court of the Lord and enter into this place and because of the entertainment and because of the worship that's going up, you can feel his presence. That's a given. He's here. We're worshiping. His presence is here. But how many of us are bowing our lives down? Taking something from ourselves and laying our pride aside, our sense of dignity, our sense of shame. I'm not his equal. If I want to touch the holy, I need to bow myself down. I'm not going to be able to feel him touch me and change me unless I can do that. 
I'm a very reserved person. I know that's maybe hard for some people to believe, but in a large social setting, I'd rather be given a job and do it quietly by myself or pick a back table somewhere. I'm not extremely bound to social norms and making a lot of conversation with a lot of people. I, I love the company of a good friend. But in public and in a large group, I'm a reserved person. But for the king, I can't afford to be. I can't afford to be. I have to take everything that is my comfort zone, everything that I feel encased in and comfortable in. I've built walls and I guard myself and I'm very reserved. But if I need the king to touch me, I have to break those walls down. I only know how to do it one way. And it is by reaching out past what is comfortable to me so that he can see me where I am and say, I know her. I know this woman. She clearly wants to be near the throne. What does that look like for you? What does that look like for all of us? I would challenge the church and the musicians can come. I would challenge the church to try to have an understanding, thank you, of what it means to be in the court of the king. This is not just church. He is here. Think about that. What do we do to prepare ourselves for the king's presence? What do we do when we're here? What is the level of our entertainment and worship to him? For some of us, that might be as far as we are able to get on any given day. But somebody, somebody under the sound of my voice, this resonates with someone. And there is a desire in your heart to transcend this moment of entertaining the king, this moment of being in his court and being blessed by his presence and being fed at his table. But you don't want to leave here until you know, until you know that he's touched you. You don't want to leave here until everything about you has been changed. That's a divine change. It requires the laying down in front of the king. It's not a beautiful thing. It wasn't a beautiful thing for me to see this queen gorgeously arrayed, laying down on the floor in front of this king. That didn't look beautiful to me. And that was part of her wedding album. I didn't find that beautiful. But you know what? For her, to be joined with her king. That was the requirement. That was the requirement to go beyond being in his presence and to be joined with him. That was what it took. It is what it takes for us to be joined with the king. I want us to be able to move past the entertainment 
move past the worship. I want to move past the worship. I want to find myself at a place where I've laid down in front of my king. And I've said, here I am, Lord. Here I am. Please accept me. Touch me. To be in the court of the Lord. To be in the court of the king. It's not to be taken lightly. What we can't see with our eyes. Feel with your heart. Reach after him with your heart. And know that he is here. And he is pleased to dwell among us. He's looking for someone who wants more. He's looking for you. He's waiting for you. He wants to be joined with you, to touch you with a divine hand. But you have to meet him at his throne. And you have to lay down and give to him what you would not give to another man. I will not bow down for another man. I will not dance for another man. I will not give my praise to a fellow man. But what I will do for the king so that he'll touch me is everything. I will do everything for the king. I don't want a moment in his presence to pass me by. Because I don't know when it'll come again. Let it be today. Let him touch me today. This altar is open. I pray for us. That we can know and understand what it means to be in the court of the Lord.